You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley, and today is Friday, January 14th, two thousand. And 21. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Today we will be talking about the MLB lockout. Yay! Woo! Everybody's favorite topic. Yay! Um, yesterday we mentioned before our, our Tigers' greatest moments talk, uh, we had mentioned the fact that the lock, the lockout, geez, that the, um, that Major League Baseball was sending a proposal to the Players Union and the Players Association. And that was happening on Thursday. And Thursday has now come and gone. The players pretty much laughed at the owners' faces and said, there's absolutely no way we're accepting this. We are still miles apart on a deal. And we are going to break down all the things that were offered in the owner's uh, offer and the counters that the players might come up with and why, you know, what they're still super, super far apart on, etc. Okay. So if, if you need a full rundown of everything they disagree on, you can go back. I believe it was early December. I did an episode where I spent a, an entire show breaking down uh, every single point of conflict in the entire agreement. Uh, which, so that, that if you, if you want to go back and listen to that one or if you already did, thank you. Um, but that is a, a good like starting point so you know all that. I believe there was like nine, nine or ten different points that, that they pretty comfortably disagreed on. Um, and we have a new offer that has been made public, thankfully, uh, at the hands of Jesse Rogers and Jeff Passan, uh, two, two of the best in the business as far as baseball reporting goes. So uh, they they have gotten their, I don't know if they've gotten their hands and actually read the entire offer, but they have enough sources within the industry to know uh, what has been offered by MLB and by the owners uh, to the players. This was an offer made from the owners to the players, not the other way around. Um, the players now have the ability to counter, which they most certainly will at some point. It's just a matter of when, because uh, it, it appears that both sides are still pretty significantly far off. So we are going to start with what are we going to start with i guess we'll start with service manipulation i think yeah yeah that's that's a fun place to start there, there this, this is a pretty f- interesting interesting is a stupid word uh of kind of a fascinating way to go about uh <laughs> still allowing pretty blatant service manipulation but like pretending that you are trying to fix it uh so mlb proposed that if you have a top 100 prospect on your opening day roster and he wins rookie of the year or finishes top three in MVP slash Cy Young voting within his first three seasons, then the team is awarded a draft pick. 
And so that, like, right off the bat, that's, that's, I, I don't think that really fixes much personally. I'd, I mean, this is, I, I'm just going to spew information. I'm going to give my opinion, but I'm hoping that I, I give enough information, period, on both sides that you can formulate your own opinion if you, if you disagree with me. Um, I, I don't see how this really fixes too much with service manipulation. Um, cause there's also a thing where a, a team can only reap the benefits of, uh, a, a draft pick for w- like one pick per player. So if someone was to win rookie of the year, their first year, and then win MVP their second season or Cy Young or whatever, their second season, uh, they they would not get like a second pick because he checked off two of those boxes. It's if they do any of those, you get one pick, and they have to be on your opening day roster when they're rookie eligible. Um, that's I I, I pers- again personally, I just don't see how that really fixes service manipulation. I, I think that teams are not going because this draft pick is going to be what at the end of the first round in the in the weird like the MLB draft is they have the first round. And then they have all the compensation rounds. They have comp A, comp B, draft comp, uh, you know, free agency, like super twos comp. They, they like there's so many different compensations. If if the draft pick is just at the end of the first round, while that's still valuable because a baseball draft is uh, in- incredibly long, uh, I'm not saying that it has absolutely no value. I'm just not sure that an owner is going to look at that and say that a draft pick at in between the first and second round is going to be worth uh, saving a big contract for a whole extra year for a, a top prospect, right? So, like, if, if Torkelson, if we were to manipulate Torkelson's contract to get him for an extra year and then he ends up getting like a $200 million contract at the end of his sixth season because he ends up being good. Um, I'm not sure Illich is going to look at that and, and be convinced, oh yeah, well, you know what? Let's pay him $200 million a year earlier or if, we just, if we're just a, a cheap owner, right? That might be even a better example. If we're like the Oakland A's, and we're looking at it and we're going, okay, we can either get a draft. We can either call this dude up right now on opening day and have the potential of getting a draft pick at, at you know, in three years. <laughs> we, we can get a for extra first-round pick three years from now. Or we can call him up in, in the, at the end of May and get him keep this guy that we have for a whole extra season. Like the three year stipulations weird. Also only one player wins rookie of the year per, I guess per league. So I guess two players win rookie of the year every year. And then expecting a dude to be top three in MVP slash Cy Young voting in his first three seasons is, is pretty, it's pretty, pretty high expectations as well. So I just don't see too many, um, I, I don't see too many teams actually taking that. I think that this is just a way for MLB to say like, oh yeah, look, we're, we're trying to accommodate you when they're not actually, I, I per again, my personal opinion, I don't think this fixes service manipulation whatsoever. Um, there's also within that, 
there was talks about one getting draft pick compensation and in an international draft. And that's kind of fascinating because the there have been a lot of talks about how international players are signed and brought into organizations and and we got you know every single year when international signing periods opens and every team has a different budget and you can trade your international pool money and it's separate than just like your team's budget so like it's trying to make teams on all equal playing field but um, you know, like the Rays, right? Like the Rays are the CEO of in every single trade. They want like a million dollars of your international budget too. So even though they're a small market team that that doesn't pay players, um, they have a lot of international pool money every year because of how they trade. So there, there's a, been a lot of talks about trying to figure out how to change the international market. And the owners implied in this deal a international draft, so non-domestic amateurs then being part of a draft system rather than this kind of free-for-all almost that it currently is um, and just based on your international budget that is completely separate from your actual team's budget. It's kind of weird. Um, so that that's something else that's interesting within this that they put that in there and made sure that they're like, oh, well, even if it's not MLB draft, we give you an extra pick in the international draft, which even seems like more of a uh, kind of a slap in the face part of all of this. I don't know. that that whole. I don't think any of that fixes service manipulation whatsoever. So we'll start with that and we'll get into the rest of the, uh, the, the things that MLB offered. After I tell you all about Built Bar, it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It might even be better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, in the office, the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary, calorie-filled treats you have and replace them with Built Bar. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new, limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go, go to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off. Of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. All right, let's get back into the ins and outs of this MLB 
proposal. The next one that uh, the next topic that I, I think is important is the draft lottery, which seems inevitable. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that we are going to be a draft lottery sport the next time that baseball is actually a real sport and exists. Okay, so when baseball returns to existence, I can almost promise you there will be a draft lottery. Now, how many teams that draft lottery is going to uh, have in it is what's up for debate. MLB's proposal was initially three. Like back in December when the lockout first happened and it got rejected, it was three. The players countered with eight. MLB, whatever, yesterday, as you're listening to this, responded with three again. So again, you're, you're starting to see why this was this proposal was just absolutely laughed at because they didn't really change anything. Like at, at the first time they, they straight up wanted to use uh, one of their systems and methods, MLBs, ways to get uh, players to, to, to get teams to have their 26 best players in a camp and, and for their teams to uh, call up their top prospects was to start having like fan graphs war determine your salary arbitration, uh, which the players did not like at all. Cause that's a third party thing and whatnot. But, um, the, uh, the regardless, you're, you're starting to see that MLB is kind of just slightly sugarcoating the same offer. And that's why it, it's just getting rejected time and time again. Um, this one, it was three, but, and this was their way of like, say, oh, look, we changed, was it's three again. However, MLB added a stipulation to where no team could be in the draft lottery for three consecutive seasons. So they left it at three. Still only the bottom three teams, the worst three records in the league, would be part of the lottery but you can't be part of the lottery three years in a row. The players did not have really any interest in this. Uh, they want more teams because, and again, that, that obviously incentivizes the players. That's in benefit of the players because then uh, tanking goes down and player and teams will pay free agents more and more teams will be in the market for free agents and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it sounds like, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we settled at, like, five, right? That's kind of in the middle. The the owners, I don't think, would raise too much of a fit going from three to five. And if they really stick on that and dig their heels in, I don't see how the players are going to cause a whole lockout just over three teams in a three-team difference in a draft lottery. So I, I feel like there's at least some end in sight with that particular thing, uh, but I think it's probably going to get settled around. I, I think five is a, it's a nice round number. It's in the middle of both, uh, not directly in the middle, but close enough. I, I think that's probably where, we'll, where we will end up is a, is a bottom five draft lottery. But for now, we have MLB just offering three over and over and over again and trying to pretend like they're adding stuff on to benefit the players when, in actuality, the, the, having no team can be in the lottery for three consecutive seasons really doesn't change anything. I, 
That's <laughs> it. Really doesn't do anything. If if you've been horrible three years in a row, and you get a top three pick three years in a row, you are not going to be incentivized to now spend because next year you're going to get the fourth overall pick. That's that's just ridiculous to even pretend like is true. So that's the other one. Uh, expanded postseason is another thing. That they disagree on the amount of teams, but it seems like it is definitely coming. Um, it 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 I I would be shocked at this point if the postseason was not expanded. It if you don't like it, start getting used to it because I'm I'm pretty darn sure it's coming. The MLB's offer was 14 teams because playoff games and playoff revenue is significantly higher than regular season revenue. And so they want as many teams in the postseason as possible. Uh, players want an expanded postseason, but they also don't want like everyone to make the playoffs because that slightly um, waters down the postseason and makes it so teams might not might say, oh, like maybe we don't have to spend too much to get into the playoffs. But they also want, more players to be able to make the postseason. So it's a fine line the players are trying to walk while the owners are just straight up as many teams as you'll let us have we're taking. So MLB's initial offer back in December was 14 teams. The And the players' counter was 12. Not too far off. Uh, MLB's offer this time was back to 14. I would imagine the players' next offer We'll be back at 12, and they'll just go back and forth. And then when they actually get close to a deal, which at this point is looking like it could be in October, um, it that will be, uh, no, again, that kind of like in the same breath as the draft lottery, that will be one where they'll kind of just look around and be like, all right, we're not going to stop a season over a two-team a, a two team difference, a one-game difference in the postseason Let's just go with whatever. We'll take 12, sure, and, and move along. So I, I, I personally, I think it's going to land at 12. I think the, the owners are just going to take what's, what's given to them in, with that one, and I think they'll probably just be like, all right, we got our expanded postseason. We got more teams. We'll, we'll gladly take, maybe not gladly. I don't know if any of those people are, are just glad in general, uh, but we'll, we'll, take, we'll take 12, okay? So that's the other one. Uh, we will get into the last few things. There's a few things with salary arbitration and and competitive balance tax and all that that are still being offered that we will get into after I tell y'all about betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all your best sports wagering action in 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, UFC, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, we are back here for our third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. We're going over the 
MLB owners offer to the players. Uh, we've covered a, a plethora of things already that were offered by the uh, the owners, and we have a uh, few more things that were offered in here. The next thing, and, and one of the bigger issues in this whole lockout disagreement uh, between the two sides is paying players more. And there's a minimum, the minimum salary the players want raised. And on top of that, salary arbitration is a big issue. So basically how it currently works is you can't become a free agent until after your sixth year of MLB service. The players want that changed. They would like that to be moved to five. Uh, and the owners have pretty much said that's absolutely not happening. Uh, there, there has been very little movement on the front of owners, ref- the owners pretty much refuse to go anything less than six. Um, and that is because they can then wait longer to pay the players. So that's a, a pretty obvious one for, for reasons why. And for small market owners, especially like the A's, right? We see the A's anytime anybody gets to their fifth year of service, they trade them for prospects and they just restart and they don't pay anyone big money ever. So the owners have, have made it pretty clear. MLB has made it pretty clear that they are not budging in that regard. However, the, the arbitration, so how it stands currently is after, so it's in your third year of MLB service, you can then become arbitration eligible. And if you are in the, if you're a super two, if you're in the top, I believe it's 20% of, uh, of players in your quote-unquote class, then you can get an extra year of arbitration. And arbitration is just when you and the team go to court and de- court and uh, debate and go back and forth and, and uh, determine how much your salary is going to be for the upcoming season. So... The players want a, honestly, a, a pretty, to- not a totally different system, but uh, in a perfect world, they would want players to be able to make more money sooner. And on top of that, if you're for 80%, right, I believe the number is the top 20% of the class get an extra year of arbitration. So I, for the 80% of players that aren't included in the Super 2s group, they then get, uh, they don't get an extra year of arbitration and a, pl- and a team can just, has free reign over them. They can do whatever they want to them and they can just bring them back for another one-year deal of the league minimum. The players ideally want the league minimum to be a million dollars a year. Um, and so that even if they lose out on the arbitration thing and that doesn't get, fixed and and that's something they have to just bite the bullet on at least the league minimum that the players are being brought back on is significantly higher i believe it's currently 560k it's somewhere around there i know it's it's more than 500k i want to i want to say it's about 560k so you're you're almost talking about nearly doubling the league minimum salary is, is what the players want in a perfect world. And they would also want something to change with the arbitration, either players to be eligible 
for arbitration, just everybody after their second year and not have to do just like, oh, the top whatever percent, the super two nonsense and uh, have players be eligible to make more money quicker and have the league minimum higher. That is the player's goal. The owner's rebuttal to that was to offer a performance-based proposal, a performance-based system. That's the word, not proposal. A performance-based system where uh, instead of going to arbitration, they're pretty much getting rid of the Super 2 thing, which the players wouldn't mind if it just meant everybody got to go to arbitration sooner. Um, but the the MLB stance is to have a performance-based like formula that somewhat determines how much you get paid based on how well you play how well you played the previous season. So it it it's that one that's weird. Like and and not necessarily in a in a super negative way, but that's that's kind of intriguing. Uh and the only reason I say that with like speculation like that is because I am uh pretty heavily pro player in all of these and I'm pretty open about that. So if you're pro owner and you side with them on a lot of these issues, uh, no, no hate or disrespect at all. This is just when I'm sharing my opinion, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of pro player, um, mixed in with my personal opinion on it. But the, the performance based thing is interesting. I, I don't think the players will bite on it. Um, at least not right away because there are some players that, you know, you were a former top 100 prospect, and now after your second season, you maybe are off to a slow start. We've seen pitchers historically take a long time to develop. We've seen players like Joey Gallo, who everybody thought was was like terrible for his first couple of years, and then now he's he's a, an incredibly valuable player. Um, we, we've seen players that, that have gotten off to slow starts in their careers, but everybody has kind of known like, okay, he, he's like close to figuring it out or he was a top prospect. He's going to keep improving. And those kind of players would get the short end of the stick in that. And I think ideally, but then again, that being said, I, I would imagine the owners would put a cap on it. Like it's not just, oh, here's a formula and now you can have a salary of $40 million next year. I would imagine it would be like, oh, anything up to $15 million or whatever. Um, instead of going to arbitration, it would just be that. However, there is something nice about not top 100 prospects and maybe lesser known players that then have really good breakout seasons and can get paid for a year. Or you have like flash in the pan players that are really good for one season and then are that's kind of it, right? If, if you're within those first six years, you can get a bag one year. And then next year and then the rest of your career, if you fall off after that, hey, I, I bagged twelve million in two thousand twenty three. So even though I'm out of the league by twenty twenty six, I'm I'm still set for a minute. You know what I mean? So there is there is something to be said for that. And I, I think it still at the end of the day does benefit the owners because uh the the cap the, they're definitely gonna put a cap on it. And at the end of the day, it there's the the amount of players in their first two years that 
are not at their full potential is greatly larger than the players that are, right? Like not everybody's Juan Soto. Like most players take a while to develop. That's that's they they just don't get headlines because they're they're not 19 and, and breaking records like the Sotos and Trouts of the world, right? So while it would somewhat incentivize um, some of the the top end prospects, it, I think it would still be mostly non beneficial for a majority of the other young player pool. But it, it 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 really did. It made me think, and and I I didn't I didn't laugh at it, and and you know swipe it away right right immediately. I I that one made me think a little bit, and I. I think that there could be a way to do that, but at the same time, I I don't know. I, I go back and forth on it a lot, as you can tell as you're listening to me go back and forth on it um, live. The other thing with then service manipulation will, will come kind of full circle there. Um, the super twos, right? Like that is the whole point of service manipulation is getting an extra year of service at the end and having them take a longer uh, time to reach that arbitration period. So again, that circles back to the players just want a higher minimum salary, minimum league salary, so that players can can get paid more in the years. If you're going to keep arbitration or you're going to have a system in place that ranks them and, and determines how much they get paid in a formula, at least make the years leading up to that have them get paid a little bit more. And those are kind of all the key points. There, there was some stuff about the the competitive balance threshold, right? Like the the cap. It's not a salary cap sport, but it, it it's not a salary cap sport. But there's a cap every single year on how much a team can pay, and if you go over it, the luxury tax, you get taxed significantly. And and most, not most, there's a couple of teams, a small minority actually of teams that just go, all right, screw it. We'll just go over that every year because I'm a freaking multi-billionaire and this doesn't matter to me. Um, but that's sadly a, a vast minority, really just the like the Mets and the Dodgers and the Yankees and maybe a couple of other teams. But regardless, uh, the players want that to be significantly higher. And their reasoning behind that is obviously they want, obviously they want their players to get paid more. And in the same time, they're like, hey, if we're going to raise the league minimum salary, look, we're helping you out. You won't get taxed as much because uh, or, or you, you will have more money to spend without getting taxed, I should say, because we're raising we're almost doubling the league minimum salary. So that's still a, a big difference. Honestly, I think there's still about 30 million dollars off there. Um, and yeah, that, those are all really the key points, I think. I think I hit everything I wanted to cover in my notes here. So those are the key points. They're still pretty far apart. Um, I, I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but I think it is so bleak and small and you can barely tell that it's even a light and it's, it's, it's very far away. But at the end of the day, the, the, the players are going to rebuttal this. Um, and we talked about what is going to be part of their, uh, response to the owners and all that. And, and I would imagine that the owners will reject it pretty quickly. And the, really the main thing with this is I just, it needs to be enough in the ballpark to actually start 
some freaking negotiations. That's really all we need out of this. This was never going to get accepted in a million years. All we need is for them to actually look and be like, hey, we're actually within the same stratosphere of a, a conversation here. Maybe we can sit down and, and start negotiating something. That's all we need at the current moment. So hopefully that's what we get onto it. Pitchers and catchers report in like a month. I think it's 30-something days. That's when they're supposed to report. So we'll see if that happens. We just don't want this to linger into spring training, obviously. That's the biggest goal. So that's it. That's everything I wanted to cover. Um, I I find it hard to believe, in my opinion. I, I think that... Pitchers and catchers is going to get delayed. I don't see any universe in when it's accepted in the next three weeks or four weeks or whatever. Um, spring training, that's where it gets iffy because neither side wants to do that after a 60-game season two years ago and no fans for the first third of the season last year. Neither side wants that. So that's when people start sweating and we actually start getting some real negotiations regardless of how close or far away they are. But until then, we will still be here three days a week for January and February for sure. And then uh, we'll, we'll kind of have a network <laughs> look in the mirror session when, uh, when we hit March and, and if the lockout is back yet or not. But in the meantime, we'll still be here three days a week. Same time, same place, baby. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Back at it next week. Three episodes. Uh, we'll see what days they are, but they'll be here. All right, peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope, and I'll catch you all next week, baby. Go Tigers.